Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Urbandale, Iowa. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. God, if he was here, would never tolerate the Jewish people being in a subservient position to those Gentile dogs known as Romans. And so what we we find is that what began with Herod asking who Jesus might be, it continued with the people that lived in that day, and in fact, it continues to our day. People are still asking that question, who is Jesus? And that question does get asked in our neighborhoods. People do talk about it where you live. It gets asked in the taverns around town. Believe me, you think they're just there to to drink, and maybe they are, and to play pool and whatever else they're doing. But I guarantee you, religious conversations come up there, and someone asks, well, who do you think Jesus is? It gets asked in the halls of higher academia, as we find the learned professors often seeking to muddy the, the minds of our young people to convince them that Jesus is just a myth. But increasingly, the question of who is Jesus? Who is this one who came? That question is coming up more and more in the church, the place where you would think we would have the answer to that. But it is coming up. And in all of these places, you have this answer coming back. Well, Jesus was a great prophet. You'll also hear this response, well, Jesus was a great moral teacher, and he showed us how we should live. And if we were wise, we would live as he lived. There is a segment in our culture that that looks at Jesus as that political and or social reformer. They, They see him as a rebel. And so, let us be like that and seek to make our ideals the way the world will be. And then, of course, the, the people who just say, well, you know what? He was just a rabbi. That's it. He, you know, he was just a rabbi. He was just a teacher who got caught up in something he couldn't handle, and, and it became a historic event. But, you know, he was just a poor guy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then, finally, there are those when the question comes up, who is Jesus? They respond by saying, is there even enough evidence to prove that it even existed? They deny the historical record that Jesus of Nazareth actually did come and live on this world. All of these opinions that I've just shared with you are opinions that exist and thrive in the various segments of society. But you know what? Truthfully, Those opinions don't matter, do they, in this room this morning? Not one of them matters. There's only one opinion that matters in this worship center this morning, and that is, who do you say that Jesus is? Who cares what they say in the halls halls of academia? Who cares what they say in the taverns? Who cares what our neighbors are saying? What I care about and what I think is important for us to deal with today is what do you say about him? Who is Jesus to you? And I caution us when I ask that question. I caution us to hold our tongues 
And let us not respond too terribly quickly. Let us allow that question to actually sink into our hearts and minds because I'm here this morning to give you a warning. I'm here to say that the answer you give to that question has ramifications. No matter what you say about him, it has ramifications. So before you jump up and say, well, he's the Christ, the Son of the living God, I agree with with Peter. Hold your tongue. And let's consider a little bit about the ramifications before you start spouting off what you believe is correct. The disciples, we see, had come to the conclusion that, in fact, he was the anointed one. They were there, and they personally heard his authoritative teaching. They were there, and they witnessed firsthand his power over the spirit realm, over nature, over disease, over physical malady, over death. They were there and witnessed as Jesus took five loaves of bread and two little fish. And I don't know how he did it. I don't know what that even looked like. But somehow he multiplied that. And those five loaves and two fish fed at least 5,000 people, 5,000 men. And if there were at least 5,000 partners, women with him, that's 10,000. And if there's a number of kids that come along, you've got over 15,000 people who are being fed by five loaves and two fish and when they were all done the disciples went around and picked up 12 baskets full of scraps they had seen it they knew they came to the conclusion that Jesus is in fact the anointed one he is the promised messiah but even more than that more than that he fulfills these prophecies they came to the conclusion that he, in fact, is the Son of God, which, in effect, is to say he is God. And this confession is one that Peter boldly made for himself, and he made this confession for the others who were with him there as well. And if this was a test, if Jesus was, you know, treating them like, um, I don't know, eighth graders, and, you know, he's been showing them all these things, and now it's time for the test, and will you get the answer right when I ask the question, if this was a test, obviously Peter passed with flying colors. But what I want to impress upon us this morning is that this question was more than a test. This question was more than uh, something that was asked to see if they would give the right answer. You know, one of the plagues that we have in the Christian church today, we do it to our children in Sunday school, we do it to our teens in youth group, and it even spills over into the adult world as well. We talk and we teach and we do all this stuff and we ask questions to see if they can regurgitate the right answer. But did you know that a person can regurgitate the right answer? They can know their theology left and right and be able to pass a test and still have no true faith inside? Are you aware that just having the right answer is not enough? Because anybody can find the right answer. And when Jesus asked this, it was more than just that kind of question. Let's see if he'll give the right answer. No, it was more than that. Peter's response, Peter's response came with undeniable ramifications. You see, listen to me carefully. If Peter's right, then he has a decision to make. 
He has a decision to make. His decision is, will I surrender my life to this man because he's the Christ, because he's the son of the living God, because he is God incarnate? Will I surrender my personal will? Will I lay down what I want for what he wants? Will I surrender my life to him as the Messiah? Or will I just acknowledge his identity with my lips while living life on my own terms? That was the decision in front of him. Because when he made this declaration, he was at the crossing point. He was at a place where he had to choose one road or the other. Truth point number one this morning communicates that according to Jesus, there are people who confess him with their lips, but deny him with their lives. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, you don't need to turn there, I won't be here very long, gives us the text in which Jesus makes this statement. The context of it is this, the Pharisees, who were his constant enemy, were, were, were making a complaint to Jesus. They were complaining about the fact that his disciples were guilty of ignoring and breaking the uh, traditions of the elders. And they weren't happy about that. And they wanted to know why. Why, Rabbi, would your disciples break and disregard the, the, uh, the traditions of the elders. And I'm sure that Jesus did not disagree with them at all. Yes, my disciples do, and I do too, probably. But especially the disciples. Yeah, they break them. But then he asks this question. He says, but let me ask you this. Why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your traditions? <laughs> because they've been guilty of that. And then he quotes the prophet Isaiah. You can find this statement in Isaiah 29, verse 13, but Jesus quotes this. He says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This is a, this is a heart posture that has been a problem for people in general since Jesus came. Sadly, though, it's becoming a growing concern in the church. People who honor him with their lips, but their heart really is far away. So many professing believers live under the delusion that if they profess something with their mouth, it's the same as doing it. Believers will say, well, let me say it this way. Professing Christians will say, I believe in prayer. Absolutely. Prayer gets things done. I believe in prayer. But don't ask me to attend a prayer meeting. Don't ask me to actually pray with any of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe that God owns everything. And I believe that my position in all of this is just, I'm just a steward. I'm just a, a temporary manager. That's great. That's the right way to believe. But, but then the response comes back, well, but don't ask me to give of my time or my money. There are people who would say, I believe that, that through Jesus, God released me from an incalculable sin debt. I mean, my debt was so big, you just don't know how wicked I was. And he forgave it all, praise his holy name. But don't ask me to forgive someone who has sinned against me. I know, and my, the alarms are going off in my brain right now. I know that I'm, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm coming across as though I'm a judge. 
I mean, I'm up on this stage, and you're down there, and I'm looking down, and I'm a judge. So I don't want you to think that way because that's not the way I'm actually thinking. In fact, let me just, be, let me, let me just uh, have uh, full disclosure that I am as guilty of this as anyone in this room. That's why I can talk about it so authoritatively because I know what it's all about. I am guilty of living like my profession is the same as my action. I'm guilty. So I don't judge you. I judge me because I can see it in my life. And now I have to offer the second truth point, one that I don't like, one that goes against me, but it's true, so I have to offer it nonetheless, and that is this, that words without corresponding action is an impotent profession. Words without corresponding action is an impotent profession. Listen, we have to come to grips with something that's very important, and I want to bring it before you right now. We need to come to grips that to say that Jesus is the Christ, I'm pretty confident everyone in this room would say that. Pretty confident almost everybody would probably say that. That if we're going to say that Jesus is the Christ, then we have to understand that we're actually saying that he is God incarnate. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.